Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is June 10th, 2022. How the heck are you? Um, let's see, let's talk about some Isaiah news, if you will. Not much has happened. I've been working a lot, maintain- maintaining. Been broke, though. That's been the hardest thing. I kind of got a little greedy with some of my purchases last week, kind of paying for it. But we made it. We made it to payday, so it's been good. I treated myself to a Jets pizza. I've been craving it for a week now. I got a pepperoni and cheese with the Cajun crust, and that was very good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I did the usual car picnic, just ate it in my car, and uh, called it a day. Uh, Not too much news other than that from my end, so we can get into the news of the world. Got this article from NPR. Russia's Lavrov in Turkey to discuss plan to ship Ukrainian grain. So this is an update, uh, not so much an update from me, but an update on the crisis uh, that's going on with just the global food shortage a little bit. Essentially, Russia has control over a substantial amount of Ukraine's grain. They've acquired it kind of from fighting and everything, taking over spots. Uh, They're trying to find a way to negotiate to ship it out because the ports that they would move through are currently mined by Ukrainian mines. Now... You would think, well, the diplomatic thing to do, best thing to do, would be to have Ukraine come through, get those mines out. The problem is that would leave them vulnerable, uh, especially like the Odessa area, to, you know, be hit by you by Russia from the sea. So that's not advantageous for them. They don't want to make that concession, even if it is for food, even if it is food for the world. Um, we've discussed this in other podcasts, but... Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world in a lot of ways. It's been called that. Uh, combined with also like the fertilizer and stuff from Russia, it's it's just a lot of resources just come up out of that area. And right now they're not able to be moved. So it's a big problem. It's adding on to the crunch, the economic crunch that everyone's going through, as well as, you know, just countries that are literally going through food shortages that get this help on a yearly basis now aren't getting any anything and that's not good obviously that's a bad that's a big problem uh let's see yeah an estimated 22 million tons of grain are sitting in silos in ukraine uh turkey has been a mediator throughout this conflict uh they continue to be so you know play both sides uh you always come out on top right so it definitely makes sense. Also, it's good for them to kind of be the mediators in the situation. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, our efforts are continuing uh, concerning the technical planning on such issues as how it will be done, how the mines will be cleared, who will do it, how the corridor will be established, and who will escort the ships. Um, this is from Akar, um, the defense, uh, Turkish defense minister, uh, 
Halusi Akar. So there's a lot of moving parts to this. Uh, who knows if they're actually going to be able to get anything concrete worked out. You know, this has been a growing problem, and now we are at the kind of limit of it just because harvest times, I think, have exceeded the window. So now grain is literally just sitting in the silos that should be moved, and you now should be filling up those silos with new grain, if I'm not mistaken. So this isn't good. Not a good move. Um, also, in this article from the NPR, they go on to talk about um, just... The situation with Sweden and Finland and how, like, Turkey's also not kind of cool with that. It also kind of made me think, like, I, you know, I wonder if they have a little bit of protest because it is something that maybe Russia kind of might echo and say if they were in the ability to speak. But I do think they it is personal for Turkey. They have their own stake in their things from what they've mentioned. Um, but at the same time, I do think that they will be smoothed over by the collective hole that is NATO. In terms of the emission of Swinland. Swinland? No, that sounds bad. Sweden and Finland. Um, And some more Ukraine news. Uh, Got this from Reuters. Two Britons, one Moroccan, sentenced to death by court of Russian proxy in Ukraine. So the People's... uh, Donetsk People's Republic, uh, which is the proxy that is mentioned... They sentenced two Britons and a Moroccan who were captured while fighting. And these were people who, you know, came through in like a mercenary kind of style situation. They wanted to help out. They saw a problem with this war, the atrocities that they knew would be committed or they were already seeing committed. And they wanted to do something. So they got involved. They went and they went to go fight. We've already talked about some of the people who have died, you know, uh, just in terms of like reporters uh, there has been an American, I think we did cover that, yes, uh, who died. I think there's might have been two now, or there was like an American and a French journalist again. I don't know. There, it, there's a lot of deaths. So on top of that, just people who are fighting, naturally, when you get captured, you know, that's going to become now an issue that's talked about. We've talked about uh, the one Russian soldier who has already been sentenced to uh, life in prison, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe they sentenced life in prison. I don't think it was a death sentence. Now, this situation is that uh, for these these three individuals. Now, there are apparently some discrepancies with this. Uh, Boris Johnson has come out and said, like, under the Geneva's conventions, prisoners of war were entitled to combatant immunity, and they should not be prosecuted for participation in hostilities. Uh, they're trying to more or less say also, too, that this is not even a valid real court. Like, these proceedings aren't real, and this is just a show trial at best. Um, oh, yeah, I should say the names. That would be good. That would be good. That would be good. Let's see. The two Britons, uh, Aidan Aslan and Sean Pinner, and the Moroccan is named Brahim Sadoun. So... It's definitely a sad situation. I don't know if this is if it is just truly for show and maybe like a swap or something might come or happen. I obviously have no you know basis for that. I'm just thinking out loud, speculating. Uh, it would be a shame to hear about that, but we would definitely be posted. Um, 
yeah, I mean, this, this, these are the sticky, the sticky things. And also just, it goes to kind of show how this is going to go in the post in terms of like what a conquered area is going to, to do and move like, you know, it'll wind up, I feel like looking a lot like how Crimea was, you know, post 2014, where you do see a lot of just, well, now it's everything is pro-Russian because no one who was you know, pro-Ukraine had Ukraine stance is there anymore. They're all pushed out and gone. And it's just those people who are just for whatever Russia wants. So even though this isn't Russia necessarily saying and doing the thing, it is, you know, like it, that's just how the proxy situation works. Now let's take it to America. Let's go back to the States. And actually I'm going to take a little, quick little breaky real quick. A little refresher, if you will. Oh, yeah, we're back. All right, got this from CNN Politics. Our man arrested near Brett Kavanaugh's home, charged with attempting to murder a U.S. judge. So, this isn't a good thing. Maybe people might think, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, rah, you know, good thing these guys got, God was coming, now they can be scared. No, that's not the vibe here, by the way. I, I know sometimes people might think that I'm, like, super gun-ho for this kind of shit. I'm not. Mainly because the fallout of these things, the reactionary fallout of these things is always doubly worse. It's just always doubly worse. It never works out. Like, so let me just get into it. Uh, the man is Nicholas John Rosk, uh, Rosk, Roski, 26 years old of Simi Valley, California. He called emergency authorities saying he was having suicidal thoughts and had a firearm in a suitcase leading to his arrest, according to the criminal complaint. Uh, let's see what he had here. This happened on Wednesday morning. He, you know, he, he was walking around carrying a suitcase and a backpack filled with a tactical knife, a Glock 17 pistol, two magazines, ammunition, pepper spray, and zip ties. He also had a hammer, a screwdriver, nail punch, crowbar, pistol, light, and duct tape. So he was armed up. He was armed up. I mean, we're talking like, you know, a Punisher-style situation. Uh, you know, no AR-15 or anything like that, but he was definitely, you know, ready to do something. I guess he wound up talking himself out of it in a way, but he still showed up to the premises. I think they said they, they had saw him and they had made like a note of it, and he had walked down the street, maybe then made the call or something like that. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on how the whole timeline went down. Uh, his reasoning, though, was over just the leak situation. He was worried that, you know, with everything going on, that gun rights were actually going to be loosened, uh, which, you know, makes sense because that's a fear and worry that we have as, you know, a general society. But the way, obviously, going about it was just that, like, that's all wrong. Like, that's not how you should go about it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know really what else to say and add there. Uh, like, this is just the wrong kind of reaction to have. Uh, there's not, there's never going to be, you know, like, violence isn't the answer. I hate to be corny and cheesy and lame, but I do firmly believe that. Um, 
you know, it will keep you updated if there is any more to say in terms of, um, you know, I think like what's the sentencing and things like that. I don't know. I am glad though there wasn't any violence. But like I said, the, the the counterpoint then is like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. This is why we do have to protect our, you know, our, you know, our, our officials, our justices. We, we do have to have this harsh kind of security. And I guarantee you, they'll try to not just put it for here, but also for, you know, government buildings like they tried to do during the George Floyd protests and things of that nature. Anytime they get a chance to double down on adding security, adding enforcement, they will. They take it. And then it makes it even harder to talk and harder to protest and harder to have these conversations out loud. So it's very counterintuitive. Uh, naturally, though, like, you know, he said, you know, he was having like mental health issues. Good that he did at least come out and, you know, make that call at least better late than never. Uh, but still, no good, no good, no good, no good. I don't like Brett Kavanaugh either, but, you know. I'm not trying to go up in his house and da, 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 da. I'm not trying to do that. That's I know that's not going to do any good. Let's see more from NPR. Three Arizona police officers are placed on leave after looking on as a man drowned. This is a very bummer story. It is about uh, a unsheltered Tempe community member, as is described in the article. Sean Bickens, 34 years old. Uh, they were. Uh, I don't. I'm trying to think how I would want to word this. I guess I can just use the article here. Uh, according to city officials, uh, officers responded to a call about a disturbance just after 5 a.m. outside of the Tempe Center Arts or Tempe Center for the Arts, where they found Sean Bickens, 34, and his companion. Officers were talking to an uncuffed Bickens, who officials described as an unsheltered Tempe community member, while they ran his and his companion's name through the database to check for outstanding warrants. Uh, At that point, Bickens then, he goes to climb a metal fence, he descends the embankment, and then he tries to swim in the Tempe Town Lake. Now there is footage of this, like body cam footage. But the um, footage stops. They stop the footage that like that they put out from there, and they just go to transcripts. Which to me, I'm sorry. I I know you're trying to get it to preserve. Um, you know, what's the word? Like you're not trying to be gross or morbid. You know, but at the same time, this is what happened. This is this person's last moments, and especially in a situation where we do need to hold people accountable, like the police that should be readily available. That should be coming out all the way. Um, But they have the transcript of it um, where it's like Bickens gets out into the water and um, then he proceeds to like, you know, yell back, I guess, and he's like, hey, I'm drowning. Um, An officer tells him to swim to a pylon, but Bickens says he can't. Uh, Then there is a quote from the officer. Okay, I'm not jumping in after you. Bickens then replies, I can't touch. Oh, God, please help me. Help me. He then proceeds to drown. And they watch that. That, to me, is fucked up. And the more fucked up thing, yet a fucking again. It, it, it's time and time again now. You keep hearing it. And they just go, 
oh, the reason we didn't jump in to help is protocol. It's protocol. It's just the way it is. We didn't we didn't go in to help those kids. We let them die. We let them sit in a classroom with their dead classmates and all this shit for over an hour. It's protocol. It's protocol. I left my radio. It's protocol. I'm sorry. I just I did what I had to do. It's bullshit. I'm sorry. That that's that's the Evaldi thing. I know. I'm I'm bleeding him in here. They're unrelated. I'm sorry. But it is a classic fucking thing of the police to do this shit. Uh, let's see. City manager Andrew Ching and police chief Jeff Glover called the drowning a tragedy. The officers were placed on paid leave. So that's good for them that they're still making their money. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I I don't know if. No, I, I do feel like you're supposed to hold these people to the fire on all this shit. I'm not going to stop. I'm just not. I'm not. I, I would much rather some fucking person be mad at me and say, well, I blah, 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 and just come at me in some comment or DM whatever than come off the stance. I just, that, I don't get it. I, I understand, like, okay, it's frustrating in a moment to have to deal with uh, a situation like this. But at the end of the day, you're a cop. Your end goal is to protect and serve. Yes, you were called here for a disturbance, but now the position, the, the situation has now progressed into a situation where you need to help someone out. What do you mean? What what backup do you call for this? You need to call Scuba Steve? Like, what do you mean? Get active. Do something. Like, the only bullshit excuse I'm willing to fucking hear here is like, hey, man, I couldn't swim. I don't have the ability. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but the I, the the cops that I was grown up to 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 think were gonna help me are the motherfuckers who are like yeah helping getting cats out of trees and and helping out people in need and all this kind of fucking shit and and stepping in the line of duty and doing something, but it just seems like we constantly have time and time again cops who are just gonna quote unquote follow protocol, whatever the fuck that is. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm demonetized on YouTube. There's no way I'm making money on that shit. I just swear and swear and swear, and I do not edit. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, anyway, let's round out this episode from CNN Business. Inflation rises at f- fastest pace in 40 years, pushed up by record gas prices. Um, pretty much, I'm just dropping this article to bitch about being broke. <laughs> no, uh, I, I wanted to talk about an issue that I had. Was it, I want to say, Tuesday, Wednesday? Or maybe it was Monday, Tuesday. But it was like top of this week. And I remember, for me, this is me. I'm, a, I'm an Ohio boy. I wake up. I need to get gas. You know, it happens. That's, that's, that's the way it works. I, you know, I'm lazy. I should have got on the way home from work. I just did it. But when I went to bed, it was four seventy nine for gas. I wake up the next day, and it's five oh nine. They hiked that shit up, and I'm like, "What? What the fuck? Like, I, I have like twenty dollars to my name right now. What are you doing?" <laughs> so needless to say, I was in a pinch. I was in a little bit of a pinch. So I got a little bit of drip drop of gas, and uh, I made it work. But uh, it's crazy how fast the rates have gone up. 
Now, uh, this article has a ton of numbers, and if you guys don't know by now, numbers are a fucking weakness for me. That's my kryptonite. Uh, it's already hard enough for me to talk about issues I have barely any depth in. You throw numbers in, and you tell me, uh, like, hey, look at this chart and these graphs and all that. I'm going to just make the swirly face emoji and just wonk out. So I, I, try, I won't try to you know, bog you down too bad on that. But we can talk about gas prices. Uh, gas prices drove inflation to 8.6% for the 12 months ending in May, higher than the pace in April, according to the latest consumer price index. Okay, that's what the CPI is. Uh, the government basic uh, inflation measure. Also, according to a core CPI reading, uh, which strips out volatile food and energy prices, posted a 6% increase over the same period, higher than the previous month's level. Both readings are among the biggest jumps in price experienced by consumers since 1981. The article, uh, the article kind of goes on to, you know, further elaborate this kind of stuff, uh, you know, talking about energy prices, uh, shelter, which, you know, I've talked about before, just rent going up is crazy out of nowhere. It's dumb high everywhere. <sighs> I mean, I'm, I'm sweating just thinking about it. Uh, I mean, we're really worried, you know, is the Fed going to be able to steer us away from a recession? You know, because all of this shit is going up, going up, going up, and it's going up in a way that it's like, okay, cool. So you're not going outside. You're not leaving the house. You're not buying anything. You're not doing anything. Oh, excuse me. You're definitely not trying to take out a loan because if you take out a loan, the interest rates are higher than they've ever been. Who the fuck wants that? So you're stuck to just not making money moves, and that completely just crumples the economy in on itself. It's no good. We don't want it. We've been through that shit. Um... I don't know. It's it's crazy. I find myself thinking a lot of times like I knew that being an adult was hard, but now I can I can see that like like my dad, you know, he raised me, did a lot of, you know, stuff to to make sure that we were, you know, my that the family was good, that we were all good. And it makes me think like, wow, I know even for my dad who was like good with numbers. Uh, good with money, great with money. He would be probably having problems right now, shaking his head, trying to figure out what to do. And I know there are people who make a lot more money than me who are struggling, just sweating, trying to figure out how to make this work. And it's not easy. Um, it's definitely something that we're all in together. I do firmly believe that. Uh, I, I wouldn't be here without the love and support of my friends and my family. I'm super grateful. I'm super thankful. So I know for myself personally, I do try to do the same, give the same when I can. Uh, you know, I know I talk a lot of shit about the Patreon. I'm about to just segue into shill mode right here. But it is from the lovely donations of people like Stephanie Renee that help, <laughs> help me out a lot. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to keep it a buck. You know, not you help put food in my mouth, and that's great. I, I appreciate the shit out of that. Um, but yeah, the Patreon is patreon.com slash Isaiah News. $5 will get you a Patreon access, and then also get you a shout out on the podcast. I'll talk about whatever you want. I'll say your name. But 
you know, oh yeah, also I have the Gmail. That is uh, isaiahnews1 at gmail.com. You can hit me up the dry way and uh, we can talk, converse. If you want to tell me how much I suck and how much I say, oh, uh, ma, by all means, let me know. I know I'm trying. I'm working on it. I fail every day. <laughs> but we really all are in this together. I know that this kind of pain is going to be long. You know, looking at it, seeing it, seeing the, what the Fed is more or less saying, it doesn't really seem that optimistic as much as they're trying to gaslight us into thinking that we're going to just like, eh, you know, actually we're doing great, you know? Like, it is funny to see Biden's like upsides on this. And then also, also I do love the Putin price hike. It's also mentioned in this article. Um, it's a nice try. I get it. Midterms are coming up and you really got to make this as much, like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I get it. But like, at the end of the day, just like you aren't fighting hard enough for a lot of things, Biden, you're also not fighting too hard on this. I'm just going to say that, too. I, <laughs> um, you know, this is definitely more of a liberal podcast, if you will. But like, I, I, I'm not friends with Joe Byron. <laughs> but um, that's pretty much the episode. Thank you for, you know, keeping up, sticking around. Hopefully I'll see you soon for some more good news, but uh, I already kind of have a mental cue of what I'm going to talk about on the episode. I'm not too stoked, but um, I'll be happy to see you all the same, and hopefully you'll be stoked to hear my voice. Um, so yeah, hopefully I'll see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.